It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Cheryl Smith writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. And it's gone. Welcome on, welcome on to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. And uh, let's just get right into it. This game was a crap show. Uh, I got a people sham Jeremy Gillen on with me. What's up, Jeremy? Ouch. Big ouch. Man, big ouch. Beautiful October evening in Lubbock, Texas. Had a great time on the Mind Bully podcast ahead of the game. Thought I was feeling it. Thought, you know what? We may get a shot here. Embarrassment embarrassment and calamity and chaos in the lbk i this season is a wash what is happening jeremy we had a shot we did have a legit shot so let's talk about the game real quick we got a lot of stuff we got to talk about so let's just dive right into the game itself because we did have a shot so k-state starts out the game they get a nice field goal to start it off um texas tech not a great not a great couple series right there uh we have a a, just a, a short drive that ends uh, with a 4th and 11, and then we get the ball back, and we have a 3 and out that leads to another K-State touchdown. And it's 10-0 in the first quarter, and you started questioning, oh, is this is K-State just going to have another game, another year where they just beat Texas Tech? But just like that, a very nice drive. We go down the, down the uh, field, a nice 14-play, 6-minute drive. Baron Morton controls the controls the, the, the line of scrimmage. He controls the offense. He does actually a really good job getting us all the way down to the one-yard line, where, of course, we like to make it difficult on ourselves and not just do a QB sneak right from the beginning. Instead, we have to do some of the weirdest plays I've ever seen. But then finally, on fourth and one, we say, screw it, hit that QB sneak, and it's 10-7, to just like that. And, Jeremy, we have ourselves a game. I mean, yes, but then what happened? Well, so it's a little bit of a defensive battle, right? Then we get K-State has their own nice drive, quick drive. Right, that kind of seemed like a nice quick drive that was going to kind of lead them into halftime at up 17-7. But again, Baron Morton does a really good job of controlling the field. Less than a minute gets, right, less than a minute is able to, uh, from the Texas Tech 11, go down with the help of, a, of one, a targeting call. Um, then after that, gets a nice pass to Coy Eakin down the field. And then, of course, Todd Brooks, being who Todd Brooks is, running all the way down, almost scores himself. We get in the ball right next, gets a touchdown. It is 17-14, right at halftime. And, Jeremy, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. We're going to get the ball after halftime. Hey, we're in this. We're good to go, Jeremy. Let's let's get it. But then tell, tell the people what we find out at halftime. We find out that the stadium had run out of corn dogs. We go to three different concession lines. No dice, no corn dogs, no hope for the Red Raiders. I was pissed. I was livid. I get a hot dog, put the mustard on it. It shot all over the place. The omen was right there. I sh- I should have known. Wait, you telling me I should have known. All over the glizzy. 
I, I, <laughs> I should have known. We ran out of corn dogs. We ran Big out of pause. hope. <laughs> Big pause. Uh, um, see, everybody was groaning at halftime. You thought it was a bunch of hot dogs. It should have been. I was disgusted. So, third quarter, somebody else trots out onto the field. Lo and behold, it's Jake Strong. I immediately, oh, hold on, friend of the pod. This is an interesting development. Were you watching on the broadcast? Because I did not, did they say anything before that about Morton? Because this was a major surprise. So, I don't know if I missed it. I didn't hear anything about it on the broadcast. Funny enough, I went to halftime. I was like, you got to make a beer run. Okay, so I got to make a beer run real quick. No big deal. I'm going to go to the, to, uh, for those that don't know about Sheets on the East Coast, go to Sheets real quick, give me a nice little uh, nice little Yangling flight, and bring it back home. Um, Yangling, shout out to us, make us brand sponsors. Anyways, um, Yangling flight, brought it back home, pick up the phone, all of a sudden, I'm seeing tweets about Jake Strong. So they didn't say, I didn't hear anything on the, at the end of the first half. I didn't hear anything about an injury. All I saw was a notification on Twitter, and then they talked about it right at the beginning of the third quarter. Hold on, there's some injury. Barry Morton's doubtful for the game. You know, they do the whole thing. And sure enough, you're right. He trots out there, and the first drive, right, we're pretty run heavy. Todd Brooks, we have a nice completion to Todd Brooks from Jake Strong. Fourth and two on our own 45. You know, <laughs> I remember watching this thinking, I, I get us going for it on fourth and two. As much as I hate going for it on our side of the field, I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Why do this with Jake Strong? I get that we usually would. I understand that. I get what we usually do that with Darren Morton. I get that we usually do that. Read the room, buddy. All right? Read, Read the, the room. room. Okay? Pump the ball away. Play the field possession game. We're down by three. We're still in this. Let your defense that have played fairly well and let your running back win the game. I thought th- I had this thought with 13 minutes to go in the third quarter, Jeremy. All right? What ends up happening is the defense can force a three and out. And the, you know, in hindsight, the worst thing that could have happened happened, Jeremy. You know what it is? Jake Strong has an incredible drive. <laughs> That's the worst <laughs> thing that probably could have happened. In hindsight, that might have been the worst thing that happened. Is that Jake Strong? Had... Now, Abby, why was it the worst thing? Why was it the worst? Because thing? it gave the coaching staff confidence in the passing ability of this offense. That's why. Because Jake Strong had a nice pass to Miles Price. Right, the the you Jake Strong had that great fifty four yards uh, run, like that was incredible. I was I was a, uh, I couldn't believe it. Great fifty four yard run, and then you have the amazing pass of Duran Bradley, wildly lucky. Doesn't matter. G- amazing uh, touchdown pass to Duran Bradley in the face of pressure, in the face of danger. Duran Bradley, Jake Strong lets it off. Bradley pulls it in. Touchdown. We are winning the game, right? Jeremy K State comes back. They score their own touchdown, and, and but no, no big deal. Big strong, he got it. He's got it. Yeah, he's the no man. No one stop that. Make a throw. Zach Kitley. First play, interception. Just, just awful. Just he, you know, let, let's let's throw it into triple coverage, interception, right? And right after that, they score a touchdown. No big deal. Hey, hey, okay, we're down now. Down by ten. That stuck. That stung. But we've been down by 10 in this game before. We were able to take lead. No big deal. We'll be. This is the third time we've been down by 10. We'll be fine. Right? We're getting down down a little bit. We, we keep passing for some reason. In, in this same drive, an interception happens. But it's called incomplete. Thank God. We're actually getting down the field. Guess what? 
again, we throw it up to, to God knows where interception. All right, but we force a punt. We get the ball back. We're still down 10. Once again, we, we, we throw the ball to – this time we, we once again drive down the field where we might be able to score. But if we score here, we're only down by – you know, we're only down by three. But once again, another interception. It, it, it's – and the thing about these, and then case they score touchdown, game's over. It doesn't matter. The thing about these, this second half, Jeremy, it's not like the interceptions were just intercept. We kept throwing it. We kept throwing deep balls. Just, just, just hell. F it. Throw it. Bradley's out there somewhere. F it. Throw it. Fungi's out there somewhere. F it. Throw it. Eakin's out there somewhere. We're just throwing it. We're just throwing it. Just, just for the hell of it. Even the drives we were going down, just throws. That one we got all the way down to the 18, uh, Jake Strong... Threw it to God knows where. Koi Eakin pulled it down 43 yards. All right. Do it again. Koi Eakin 12 yards. All right. Just do it again. See what happens. It, I, I, I saw a coach playing Madden. Yeah. No, it's, it was it was exactly Live. Right. Recommended play. Spamming that Y button. It wasn't even recommended play. Madden wouldn't recommend this. <laughs> Madden would not recommend this. I played a lot of Madden in my no day. Madness. Madden would say, bro, run a running play. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> they would say halfback draw, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen one of those yeah, in a while. Yeah, dive. And hey, halfback power. That's what it would say. Quick slant. You know, he's a nah. Fades. Kenzie in the chat put in four verts. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It wasn't even like a guy playing Madden. It was like a 12-year-old playing Madden against his older brother. Yeah. That's what it looked like. 12-year-old playing Madden against his older brother. His older brother keeps scoring touchdowns and intercepting his ball. He's like, screw it. I don't care. Four verts again. Four verts. Go. Oh, my God. Hail Mary time. Just uh, give me your thoughts. That was a complete that was a complete failure of – that was a, offensively, that was a complete failure, I think, of what we've been asking Kitley to do. And this game kind of exposed Kitley for the previous two, right? So playing Houston, playing Baylor – you got you got two teams that weren't ready for your you know weren't ready, um, and you decimated them. You you did well. You played really complete ball, and so fooled us, made us think, ah, okay, Kitley's figuring it out. He's kind of dialing it in with the team that he's got. Go for it. And you know what? It felt very good at the you know first quarter a bit tumultuous, but getting kind of into it, getting two scores before the half, felt like okay, no, we're getting into a rhythm. We're doing good. But then you put a new quarterback under center, and all of a sudden, Kitley goes, to hell with the common sense. <laughs> to hell with the common sense. Let me just do let me, Four verts. Four verts. It was, and uh, McGuire addressed kind of the nature of not running it as much in the second half, and I think his answer was bullcrap because he said that, he said that, you know, it when when it works people like it and when it doesn't work people don't like it. I'm no, like, what the hell does that mean, not. man? I'm like you 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 are the only coaching duo in the country right now in a power five program that would like go ah just keep throwing it with your third string, not even like game first game of the year. Throw it. I I just don't understand. And Taj was Taj was eating against this Kansas State the supposed like great a great rush defense team he was still eating he could still pick up the yardage he was still breaking the first tackle he was doing great and you put him in the stable in the second half and what happened you got three interceptions and you let not necessarily kansas state you let avery johnson run all over you 
Fre- right, freshman, right? Freshman yeah. for Kansas State? Yeah. Freshman. Yeah. Five rushing touchdowns. That's all they needed. They just needed to hand Avery Johnson the ball, little seam, bye. And it was like all of a sudden we didn't know how to play defense anymore. And it was it was predictable every time well, so he got us in the middle. Let's talk about Avery See, Johnson yeah. for a little bit. Let's talk about Kansas State. Uh, before we get too much into the the just the abysmal got like some of the worst play calling I think I've ever seen. Um, let's let's get into Kansas State a little bit. So Avery Johnson, there's no doubt to me Texas Tech defense was not ready for Avery Johnson to play in this game. And, and why why would they be? Right, like Avery Johnson has played a little bit before this game, but you would not think that Avery Johnson would have been out there for over twenty plays like that. That that's not something you would have expected or or even thought that actually for thirty plays. That's not something you expected whatsoever, right? Um, something K State saw something in this Texas Tech defense that said this is the game we're going to unleash him, and. I can't necessarily blame the defense because you're not prepared for that. You're not prepared for, especially our Kansas State team. You Kansas State, you expect that Colin Klein type of quarterback running, a power running. Well, that's what Howard is. We saw a few times there in the first half, in the first half, where he had a couple running back, running back plays. I was not expecting a speedy guy like Avery Johnson, and every time he came in the field, I was like, mm. it seemed like at the beginning of the second half, adjustments had been made. Right, the team was actually at the end of the second, end of, uh, at the beginning of the second half a little bit towards the end of the first half, starting to figure him out a little bit. It wasn't as easy for him to just shift and go. Um, I really think that the levy broke towards the end with all the, the power on of interceptions. When you play defense and the, and the offense just gives it to you like that, we saw that with that with that uh, um, that one Johnson run with just a quick touchdown in the second, they got the ball back. It's deflating. It's deflating. You've been out there 10 plays. You, 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 you know, you the offense gets the ball back. You're thinking, oh, thank you. We get a chance to, to breathe a little bit. Interception, you have to go right back out one play later. It is deflating. So, I, I, I Avery Johnson played great. Shout out to Chris Kleiman and Kansas State offense. They And, and Colin Klein, the, the Kansas State offensive coordinator. They definitely saw something in the defense. They said, we're going to unleash Avery Johnson. And Texas Tech wasn't prepared for it. And I don't think many defenses in the country would have been prepared for something like that, to be honest. It's just not, it's just not something that you even thought was an option. Not for the most of the game, and K State just rolled the hot hand. I don't, I don't think, and, and I know some. The, I knew the narrative was going to be there as far as quarterback controversy. I don't think there really is going to be one in Kansas State, but it's just they saw. Oh, Avery Johnson's working, and it's not just he's working with his legs; he's working with his arm too. We went eight for nine in the game, right? So we're going to keep him. Out, we're going to ride the hot hand. Um, but him, Benson, I thought had a really good game. But again, right when we started to figure Benson out in the second half and do better defensively with him. Then the interceptions came. Like, it's, it's, I don't have much. Like, I know a lot of people are going to blend defense on being able to contain Avery Johnson. I really don't have too much negative to say because it's, it's tough. Because you got a combination of a new guy that you weren't expecting kind of, kind of bursting on you a little bit. And then, right when you kind of sort of seem to figure him out, the, the offense gives you no wiggle room for any mistakes. And it's just the levy breaks. I mean, it's just, it's a natural. You see it all the time in football where, offensive mishaps just lead to defensive exhaustion. And that's where I think you kind of saw, I mean, I want to say after every interception, we gave up a touchdown. I mean, one of them was on the 11-yard line. You know, like it's just uh, two of the three interceptions, a touchdown followed immediately afterwards, right? Um, And so it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough, right? Especially that one, a good example of this is K-State goes on a nine-play drive that leads to the touchdown. You just want to breathe it. And the very next play, the offense gives an interception. Sure enough, one play later, K-State, just like that, we're up 21-17. to 
less uh, 18 seconds later, Jeremy, we're down 31-21. Yeah, it was it was such a sw- and I think that's what was so frustrating is it was so fast. It was so fast that you feel like it's just like why what are you doing to respond to any if uh, takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. You know, defensively again, we've been playing really well all season, but I wholeheartedly agree that thematically our offense has been like crippling our defense all season not just in turnovers but also just like the lack of ability to maintain drives for a long period and so our defense is just playing these games playing the game uh, playing the majority of the snaps of the game they're out there forever of course they're tired of course they're going to make mistakes um and so it's just a, it's a it's a big failure that does find the root offensively i do wish i do think that had we had more of a spy on um, on Avery Johnson, that we might have been able to kind of push some of those back at some of those. But it's that's 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 neither here nor there because well, it's not the also, game. My pushback with that is that sometimes when guys are that fast, what's the spy going to do? <laughs> you know, that's true. Yeah, he was really quick in the he was really quick in the some, trenches. Some guys like it's, it don't matter what what the spy you have on there. When they're that fast. You could have you could have two spies and it wouldn't matter. Hey, that boy Avery Johnson is fast. Let me tell you, that is, it. and he's deceptively fast. You know, we only use that when it comes to white guys. So uh, yes, <laughs> so yes, he is just he is, They talk. They said he's the fastest guy on the team. That's wild. Uh, that's that. Okay, well then you're in trouble from the get go. Yeah. Uh man, so, there's just it was just so much bad that felt offensively bad that felt preventable. Bad that felt preventable. Yeah, so I do. I, I did want to give my flowers a little bit to to Kansas State. They they did play a good game. They they played well enough to win, no doubt. They took advantage of some of the mistakes that we were making. Uh, mentioned those three interceptions. Also, not all flowers for the defense. Um, no, no, not even to take one. No turnovers in this game at all, right? So they're getting three interceptions. Not to mention, Kobe Savage got his for not only his first interception of the season, his first and second interception of the season. VJ Payne got his first career interception, so that's fun. Um, but they got the turnovers. They capitalized on it, and we did not at all, right? To your point, Avery Johnson is also a true freshman quarterback. Even with his legs, you would assume that you'd be able to get your hands on one of his passes. We didn't get our hands on He only had one incompletion this whole game. That's just not going to cut it. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, yeah. So, it's it's definitely ways the defense could have played better, could have been better. Uh, it's never great when your free safety is second on the team in tackles. Uh, Rabbit had nine tackles in this game. Right, and so it's it's. I, I'm not necessarily like. There's definitely ways that the team could play better. The defense could play better. The run defense wasn't great. Not only did Avery Johnson ball out, Treshawn Ward also had 118 yards in this game off of 15 carries. Right, like as a team, we could have been better defensively, especially. It's just again, it's just so deflating. After, especially in the second half, every time you go out there, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Right, and or sorry, every time the offense goes out there, interception, interception, interception. And leading to a touchdown, so it's so that's there's that. So there's that. So let's 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 go dive right into Zach Kittley and this play calling. Let's talk about that. Um, bad. I don't I don't know what else to say. Like it's it's. Uh, I, 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 I had tried to think of words and I just bad. It was it was truly bad and there's no excuse for it. So you 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 mentioned um, the press conference where he said it, it's you know everybody has opinions when it goes wrong, dude. It looked wrong beforehand. 
Right? Like, I'm, I'm very keen on, I'm very big on keeping the same opinion before something happens, or after something happens as I would before. I'm very, I don't, I don't like to switch it up. Very many times you'll see me say, tweet something where I said, who I thought it was going to be a bad play, but thank God it worked out. Or who I wouldn't have done that, but it worked, right? I do that a lot because I'm going to keep that same energy regardless. Even if it works out and I thought it was going to be bad, that's fine. Or vice versa. You, it, it's not, whenever it looks, it's things can still look bad. Things can still, even if it works out. Let's say all those interceptions turn into touchdowns. I'd be on the podcast saying right now, whew, all of them looked ugly. They could have been intercepted, but they weren't. The, the, a good example of this is Baker Mayfield's freshman year. He played against SMU. I was at that game against SMU. It was hot. It was in Dallas. It was, it was yeah, all that. Baker Mayfield's stat line looked fantastic. And he played, you know, he scored a lot of touchdowns. He was the, the birth of Baker Mayfield. I watched that game. A lot of interceptable balls. I wasn't a very, I wasn't as happy as the rest of Red Raider Nation because I thought, oh, if we weren't playing SMU, there's three interceptions in this game, right? Jake. This game, Jake Sean played was against Kansas State in actual good defense. That's what happens when you have these wild throws and you have these OCs that just want to throw it all the time against a defense. It's a, it's, hey, we're, we're, they're cool with that, right? Jake Sean just not at the point in his development for you to be able to do this. Think of your personnel. Like we were talking pre-pod as far as there's a fine line between confidence and just being a crazy person. Right? It's one thing to be confident in your third-string quarterback and say, we're not going to switch the game plan. We're going to be confident, and we think next man up, he'll be able to perform. But you know what he did. You know what it is. He's an 18-year-old true freshman quarterback. So that's that fine line of confidence between just being a crazy man. You took look at an 18-year-old quarterback in the eye and said, despite what we know, we're not changing anything because we're, we are almost – Arrogant. I was. I tweeted it before. It's arrogance, actually. The final line between confidence and arrogance is actually what I'm. It's arrogant to say, we we know best. We we seen you every day in practice. We know what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. But we know best. We're not changing a single thing. Not only that, we're not changing a single thing. We're going to steer even more to this kid and require more of you than what we asked of Baron Morton. It just made zero sense. It's bad coaching. Flat it's not out. coaching. It's just. I'm flag football. I do this part time. Just go for it. You know, it's like you're getting paid a substantial amount of money to do one job. And that job is to coordinate your offense. I think I would I would imagine there's a small or medium sized group behind me would assume that in coordination and like being a coordinator for a unit, you would identify the strengths and weaknesses of your unit. I would say that a running back with the years of experience and prowess that Taj Brooks has outranks the necessity of having your third string quarterback who is very young, very inexperienced in their first start. I would think that there would be some discussion around, okay, we're going to have to pass at some point, but we need to rely on Taj so that Jake has a little less pressure on his back. I would think that, you know, I'm no genius. But I would think that you would go with the guy who has more leadership, who has more experience to kind of take the brunt of the pressure because Taj does that. Taj can handle the pressure. Jake Strong, he's just young, man. You threw you threw him out there and you said, you know what, let's see what happens. And you lost the game. And you didn't just lose the game. You, you, you could have, if we take away those two interceptions that became touchdowns, you lose this game by three. And then the whole narrative is a lot different. 
It's like, damn, you had your third string quarterback. You were so close. You almost made it happen. We just got unlucky. But now it's like you had your third string quarterback playing decent and you abused him. And he got forced into three interceptions. And then we let Avery Johnson make us look like we've never played defense before in our life. Well, I'll say this. Because of the position you put the defense if in. If I was Jake Strong's family, I'd, I'd honestly be questioning the decision to go to Texas Tech. And play for like play for to be honest, I don't think they, I don't think we protected Jake Strong whatsoever in this game. I'd be questioning at all his confidence. Like, how do you even contain confidence at this point as we look forward to BYU where he might be playing again? How do you even have confidence, right? I don't think they protected him at all. This is not how you protect your quarterback whatsoever. That's not putting faith blind faith in your quarterback isn't protecting your quarterback, right? And so it's so there's that. Right, you lose you lose faith of the offense. So how does it, how has an as an offensive you know how does the running backs, the receivers, the O line look at this offensive coaching staff like they know what they're doing? We saw Todd Brooks mouth, "What the f are we do, was going on?" Right, mm, I didn't yeah, see that. What Obviously. the f is going on? <laughs> Camera cut right away. Well, we saw that, and because that, that's how do you have confidence in the coaching staff when you there's no way that you're in the huddle, you hear the play, and you're like, you gotta be kidding me! After two interceptions, really three. Let's be real, we got bailed out by one of them. It should have been four interceptions total. You would think getting bailed out, getting the receiver that had a wide open interception that was just dropped, luckily barely hit the ground. Still not sure it hit the ground. You would say, "Who caught a break? Let's relax." No, double. You steal right in the skin. That doesn't make any sense. So there's that. You, you are killing your quarterback's confidence, potentially losing the confidence of the, the, the running backs, the receivers, the O-line, your offensive people there, right? Losing the faith of the fan base the things that you, and, and boosters and people that pay into the program, right? Apparently, you haven't lost faith of the head coach for some odd reason, which makes him just as palpable. But it's mind-boggling how you even get to this point. And, and, and Jeremy, I do, real quick, before I, I'll let you kind of, Go back before I get to this this next piece right here. What do we say? No Cody Campbell tweet this week. No, no Cody Campbell tweet this week. <laughs> no, no Cody Campbell tweet this week. I think he's. I don't think you can watch that game, and and have any silver lining. Outside of the boosters, outside of the whatever, I think that information from Taj Brooks, his vocal, he, he's very vocal, and you can imagine if he's saying it, he's not the only person thinking it. If you're an offense, I think Kitley is starting to lose the faith of this team. If you, if you're, I mean, what, what's the point if you're not going to be a lead? Like if you're not going to lead this team effectively, if you're not going to be that leader, if Kitley's just going to put these guys out and put this, put them in this risk, these guys know that they can go out and win this game. They know that they have the talent to win this game. And we were all feeling it in the third quarter at the beginning. We were all feeling it. At halftime, we were all feeling it. And you, you go out and you lose it. And you lose it bad because of something so stupid as what you did. So I, I'm I'm very interested. This is, this is really going to, and you said it, is this really going to come down to what kind of professional staff coach is Joey McGuire? Because this is really the first time, you know, outside of being in high school, where it looks a little bit different. This is the first time McGuire's had, like, a staffing unit underneath him 
that is fully his responsibility and his go-to. And like, it's his decision. Now he's going to have boosters and like athletic director, like in his ear, obviously, but it really comes down to him to say, Zach, I got to let you go. Or Zach, you have to change this or whatever. Like it's his responsibility. So I'm very intrigued to see now that we're in this, we're in a really specific position that they're talking about warming up Brady Boyd or whoever who's playing wide receiver. Oh yeah, he's getting snaps. He's playing quarterback. He played quarterback in high school. That's true. That's true. Um, We're in shambles. We are in shambles. And there's no good way to put it. I'm flabbergasted, flummoxed, absolutely bamboozled, speckledorfed that we are already, the Vegas line is in favor of Tech against the BYU game. Obviously, Vegas is just waiting to get a huge payout or something because there's no, it doesn't make any sense. You know what makes perfect sense is getting your threads over at charliehustle.com. Right, so this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City. It specializes in Texas Tech and hometown Kansas City Chiefs apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fam this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed Texas Tech apparel today and show off that school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from, why would you choose anyone else? But Charlie Hustle, why would you choose any other school but Texas Tech, right? They got you covered with all your collegiate apparel needs. Use our promo code 101215TEN1215 for 15% off of all non-sale items. Again, that is 101215. Shop today at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. So, Jeremy, there were some people, though, that were still sticking up for Zach Kelly. Now, I am about 99% positive these are his friends and family. Uh, a couple of them we know for a fact are his <laughs> friends, uh, people that he coached, that he uh, played under him, right? Uh, players that played under him. They're sticking up for his guy, their, their guy, right? Um, there's not actually a single person that I saw that wasn't either lived in Lubbock currently, right? Or uh, wasn't a, a player, a former player that used to play under him. So uh, so they, there were some people, very few, very few, few people that stuck up for him, but they still stuck up for him. And... The common excuses, I always like to hear excuses because a lot of times these excuses can be echo chambers. So it's almost like the same people are talking amongst each other so they want to spot out the same thing. But there was two excuses that I saw um, spouted out. So his friends and family, one of them, the biggest one I think I saw was, the box was crowded. What do you expect him to do when they pack the box like that? When Kansas State just floods the box, right? Um... Uh, there was a tweet that was like, the Tech Tech fan base is so stupid. It's full of just, I drew, I'm reminded how dumb the fan base is. Right? They don't know football. They don't know ball. You know, the, they don't know the, ball the, out there. The, 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 what are you going to do when it's, it's crowded? It's packed. It's packed, right? So a couple, let me just, a couple things. Because um, one, they're insulting your intelligence. Not just by calling you assault dumb, but also we watch the game. We, like, they're, they're, like, we, we, we have, like there's, people have DVR now. They can rewind it. There's replays you can watch. I mean, watch the whole game. Um, Kansas State did not stack the box. Stacking the box would imply that you have at least eight or more players within, uh, in front of the O line, or what, or somewhat blitzing either to the quarterback or in in the the theoretical box that's right around where the linebackers and D linemen are. Eight or more, right? Because the normal a normal setup, a four three, a three four, uh, would be seven guys. 
So if you have seven guys, which a lot of times K-State did, or sometimes even six guys, that's not stacking the box. That's a normal defensive setup that you normally see. That's defense. That's, that's defense. That's just a normal defense. Uh, so there's one. Two, it's like Kansas State's philosophy. They don't like to do that. They're, Kansas State, in a perfect world, would never blitz. Would just straight up, just beat the hell out of you straight up. They would just have their linemen, their linebackers, and you can't run on them. That's what they want. That is their philosophy. Now, I'm not saying they don't blitz. They blitz sometimes. But stacks, consistently packing stack, uh, packing the box, they will never do that. I don't care if they're playing the, you know, prime St. Louis Rams from back in the day with, with Marshall Falk and them. They're not packing the box, right? That's just not how they do That's never how they've done things. It's packing the box. So, that's don't, and don't insult us. So, there's that too. Um, also, hypothetically speaking, if they were packing the box, how little do you think of your buddy Zach Kitley that he wouldn't be able to come up with plays to attack that box other than deep fade routes? They're almost they're almost in they're like circularly they're, they're coming back to an insult. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> By trying to I was, if I ever if you ever interviewed somebody and was like, what would you do in a situation where it's packed the box? I'm like, I just throw deep fades every play. Just just four verts. Yeah, fire that man. <laughs> Boy, what are we talking about? Also, not only that, so yeah, that's, that's, that's terrible, right? Um, you're actually better off just running into that packed box a few times to alleviate that pressure than you are just running, just throwing deep, right? We've seen, I've seen it. I mean, you see it all the time in the NFL where you'll look at a eight uh, man setup in on defense and say, we just got to beat it. Sometimes you get two yeah. yards and you get three. And you know what? Some. That's football. That's football. You just got to beat it. Right, but if you feel like your buddy is just, hey man, they packed the box. You gotta throw verts. You gotta just throw deep, deep ball fades. Right. So there's that. Also, going back to the whole, they guarantee they did not pack the box thing. You mean to tell me that you think that they packed the box yet still had five secondary people there to catch interceptions? I mean, that's first interception. There were three people there around one receiver. That's incredible. How does K State do that? How do they both pack the box and have everybody in coverage? Lightning fast. That's wild. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, they're an, they're an incredible team right there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible excuse, and it's just, it's one, it's a lie. It's, it's, that's just not truth. Um, it's almost like, you know, if we say this, maybe they'll get off our guys back. Uh, so there's that. And um, so another excuse that I heard. Now, this wasn't always. For- well, hold on. Hold on. Before we, but the second, okay. Stack the box, Albie, Jeremy edition. You you what what's the play you're gonna run? Uh, can, just, cons- just one play or consistently? Just one. It just one. It doesn't matter if it's like a first down or whatever. Oh, well, if it's one first play, ten stack box. What are you stacking the do? box? I'm running it out. I'm running. You running? Yeah, it out. I'm running it out. An out route. Yeah, for sure. Quick quick passing play. They're stacking the box. They're trying to blitz me in. I'm running a quick out. Nothing yeah. deep. Why would I do it? Yeah. They're stacking the box. Why the hell would I go deep? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's too much time in the backfield. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, uh, even just like a, a half, uh, just like a off the corner run, yeah. just a corner sh- run. You can pitch it if you want. If you back if you're, shoulder, if you're confident, come back. Well, back come back shoulder. takes a little bit of time too. But like bootleg, I don't know. Literally anything else besides the fade. Yeah. yeah. See, I was yeah, a, a, an out just because you're not getting anything in the middle, <laughs> and it's a quick passing play, right? And it backs them off for the next play. If I see eight people in, what happened with the slants? What happened to yeah. slants? We used to kill people with slants. Quick slant. It has to be quick, though. you got to get them around the corner right before, the quick right before slant. he gets yeah, the linebackers. Just be your yeah. guy. 
we got good receivers. Be your guides. That's your, that's your job. Come on. So so there's that was one excuse that we heard. One big excuse was pack box. Another one. Now this wasn't always friends and family. Some people were playing devil's advocate. Was well our line's pretty bad. Our O line's bad. And I actually heard this for a couple weeks now that our O line's bad. My question is, are they? So I I think on paper our O line's not great. We've had injury problems. We we talked about the beginning of the season that we have depth issues overall. We've had it for the last two years. Um, I'm not saying that our O-line is just the world beaters. Um, but I, I do find it interesting that we rarely complain about the O-line during the game. Most of the time we complain about the O-line, whether it's after the game or, or during the week, or we're just trying to say that, you know, well, on paper they're not supposed to be so good, so maybe they aren't very good. But I, but I don't remember thinking for the past few weeks that, man, this O-line just can't hack it. Right? I, we've seen bad O-lines. We saw Baylor's just last week. That is what a bad O-line looks like. Houston's the same thing the week before. Houston, we were talking about pre-pod. Um, your boy Donnie Smith leads the conference in sacks. Right? Now, some of it's his fault, but a lot of it is not. Um, so, those are battle lines. So, I've heard that as well. Of, well, he has a battle line. They're scared. So, they just try to, they think the only way to move it down the field is just chucking it up. Right? Um, again, terrible. if you have a battle line, you think it's going to get, that's just a terrible way of doing things. Screens are a great way to help out your battle line, for one. Just going to point that out there. A screen, thought of that. That might work, right? Um, uh, that's another way if you have... Actually, actually, that's the best play. A wide receiver screen? They packed the box? Oh! Wide receiver screen! And we did a couple. Yeah. On the Jake Strong's touchdown drive, we did a exactly. couple. And they worked. They worked. Um, but yeah, so I, I've heard that also, that this O-line's not very good. I just don't agree. I'm not saying this O-line's world beaters. I don't agree that they've been bad. I think they've been an okay O-line. Right, they, their running backs getting six yards of carry. They're getting pressure up on the D line when need be against bad D lines, especially. But even against K State, they were okay. Right, K State wasn't just living in the backfield against either quarterback. Um, so I just don't agree that our O line has been bad. I'm not again, they're not world beaters. They're not, none of them are going to show up on the All Big Twelve first or second team. But they've been okay. They've done enough to get the job done, and that's just not an excuse for terrible play calling. It's not. It's. <sighs> I'm glad that we took the time to debunk these because I, I was seeing them pop up and I just thought, I don't understand the energy that people are putting towards defending Kitley when he has been consistently the reason you've lost games. It's the choices that they've made. If there's been well, the reason we've lost I can't games. anymore. I mean, we, so the last couple of weeks I tried giving him his flowers, but again, I gave him his flowers because he had changed what he was doing earlier in the season. Last two weeks against Houston and against Baylor was not the same type of play calling we'd seen previously. And it was almost, this to me was his, uh, what do they say? The, his, his Mona Lisa, his, his, uh, I, I like, so I like to call it the thriller, right? So this is what I always say with me. Like when me and my wife discuss music, I'm always like, what is this person's thriller? What is their, what is their, like, like Kanye West thriller is Gold Digger. Everybody knows Gold Digger. That's his most popular, I don't think it's his best song, but his most popular song. His, that's that's it, it there, right? Uh, for Taylor Swift, is it is it is it bad guy? I don't know Taylor Swift music. Is it? I don't either. <laughs> I'm white, but I don't I'm gonna know. say, Jerry, come on now. It's, it's, um, uh, Beyonce would be Single Ladies. That's her most. It's not her best song, but it's her most popular song, right? This this uh, magnum opus. That's what I was looking for. Magnum opus. The magnum opus. Well, this to me is his magnum opus. His creme de la creme. His thriller. His his single ladies. 
This is his peace de, resist- de resistance. His beef Wellington. This is it. This is, I've never, we've seen some bad play calling. We talked about it last year with Kitley. We thought he was just growing. Earlier this season, we said the same thing. Like, what's going on, especially against West Virginia? This was it. The second half of this game, is it the worst play calling I've ever seen? For Texas Tech, anyway. He's still not Iowa offensive coordinator bad. But for Texas Tech, is is this the worst offensive play calling I think I've ever seen? Maybe. And we had no Brown as an offensive coordinator. Maybe. This might be it. Right? At least Neil Brown just threw screens back and forth. I can take that. Yeah. You knew what you were getting. This is a whole bag of... This is Kitley reaching into a bag of terrible and just kind of like, oh, let's do this. And it's bad. Guess what? It was we bad. We should have known he was <laughs> due for a level of headassery right when that we had first and goal at the two-yard line. And he had three of the wackiest plays we'd ever seen until he decided to finally run it in. Oh, QB sneaking in. That's when we should have known this is we were in for a long night. He tried to tell us from the very beginning, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> you're going to hate me by the end of this. And we should have known. We should have heeded that warning right then and there. Um, <sighs> yeah. So I will say, enough on Kitley. How much of this falls on Joey McGuire? Well, that's the question, right? Because if it's Kitley, it is also by degree mcguire right because i mean you gotta at some point recognize the game is not being called well and if we i mean i haven't lost faith in mcguire yet but kitley really threatens that because if mcguire's not doing anything to kind of restrain kitley or tell kitley hey we need to kind of change it up here and make it happen then what is he head coach of because if Kidley's out here like kind of swinging that thing and just saying, I'm going to do whatever, what I feel is good, and we're just being decimated, and McGuire's not doing anything, then what's his function on the field, right? So I think that this game, this this Kansas State game, for me, and the way that McGuire handled the postgame presser lost me a little bit, a couple of points of just kind of like, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand where this gusto from last season is. I don't understand where this, you know, 60 minutes of us has really kind of lost all punch. You know, it's been like, oh, my God, 60 minutes of the other team. <laughs> somebody somebody tweeted, he was like, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm tired of 60 minutes of us. <laughs> I don't want to. Because he was like, the, I don't want to. No, at the beginning of the season, he said they're going to be tired of 60 minutes of us. And he was like, yo, yo McGuire, you're right. I am tired of 60 minutes of us. I'm tired. <laughs> um, somebody else uh. said, uh, I know this is a home game, but y'all need to drive Kitley out to LBB and leave him on the tarmac. <laughs> Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, So, yeah, I I think you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. You're either Like, at the end of the day, and maybe I'm not saying that Joey McGuire needs to be the guy that's listening to every single offensive play call, but you you know what the scheme is. You know what the strategy is. You got to talk to Kelly and say, dude, we're not doing this. Just flat. We're not. After the first interception, he just sat him down and said, we're not doing this. We got we got this guy. We have we have this guy here. He's very good, one of the best. We were debating pre-pod as far as if he's the best running back in the conference. Um, I think there's I think there's a top three. Uh, the question of whether he's better than Devin Neal or Jonathan Brooks, I think, is still up in the air. But I think those are the three best running backs in the conference, and that that question is there between those three. So you have a top three. 
at worst top five quarterback running back in the conference. You know what you don't have? A top quarterback. Not only do you have a top quarterback, Jeremy and I looked this up, the six worst quarterbacks, according to quarterback rating in the conference, Texas Tech has three of them. <laughs> three of the six worst quarterbacks that have played in the conference played this year for Texas Tech. Um, so, uh, so is it bad quarterbacks or bad quarterback coach? Ooh, good, good question. Good, good question, right? Because um, Tyler Shuck and Barry Morton didn't look like bad quarterbacks last year. So what? What is it? No. So what is it? No, very good question. What is it? So it's just oh my god, it's overall bad. Not to mention, so next week at BYU, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Baron Morton is a game time decision. Um, who 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 do you what do you think? I mean, do you? you, do you I, we were talking. It sounds like you say shut him down and just get him ready for TCU in three weeks. Oh, Morton. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the camp of. I'd rather protect his long-term health, especially when our season is not in any kind of actual jeopardy. It sucks, so you can't get worse than sucks. I think that you protect um, Morton having an AC joint. And for people that don't really recognize um, injury longevity and stuff like that, an AC joint is like a non-serious injury if you rest. If you rest, it's 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 a week, it's two weeks. Um, of good rest and like minor therapy and it heals it heals itself it's not a muscle it's a joint it's like a tendon piece but if you stay on it because it's on his throwing shoulder it's never going to get better and remember like texas tech we have a we have a fondness about kind of people playing through injury and then you know when it really matters they're not able to perform well because guess what nagging injury and all this stuff why don't we try to break the cycle? You know, why don't we just try to break the cycle? Let Morton heal up. I would love to go on a tear at the end of the season. Um, TCU, Kansas, UCF, Texas, like get get three of those, you know, and then call it a bowl game and just call this season a wash. But I highly expect that Kitley and the training staff would be like, yeah, let's just shoot him up with some Toradol and cart him out there. He's a young kid. He can do it. He can rest when he's dead. He can do it. <laughs> He can rest when he's dead. Guess what? We're going to run the ball with the quarterback. Oh, my God. Go! <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, and you tell you, you tell me why we have been so bad about keeping quarterbacks healthy. You tell oh, me. No it's we just, so that's, we just, that's a big piece of why this whole old offensive line is bad um, narrative came from, is that the, old, the quarterbacks keep getting hurt. And uh, But at the same time, quarterbacks keep getting hurt. But, again, I don't, I don't think it's the old line's fault. I mean, let's – we're talking about Donovan Smith being the most sacked quarterback in the Big 12. He hasn't missed a game. So, like, nobody is nobody else is – this is not the worst quarterback in the conference. Baylor's been awful. Blake Shapin's back. I mean, he got hurt early in the season, but we – Sawyer Robertson stayed up, right? Like, it's – it's um, I don't uh, – I don't subscribe to that notion. It's just our. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's up with our training stuff. I don't know why our quarterbacks keep getting hurt. I can't tell you because let's face it. Neither Tyler Shuck nor Baron Morton was this their first injury either, right? Um, so there's that also. And and you know what? A part of me. You know what I think, Jeremy? Next week, I, I'm 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 starting to come around to your side of letting Baron Morton rest and protecting that long term. Um, you know, as bad as I just want to just try to get a win, and I think we're in a better position to win with Baron Morton other than Jake than Jake Strong. I do see your point there. I will say, with with Boyd getting reps at quarterback this week, I kind of want to see if we have an Avery Johnson situation. Let's surprise BYU. Let's have Boyd go out go there and for use it, his man. speed a little bit. Right? He can play quarterback. He played quarterback in high school. 
Um, I'm not saying he has to be the full-time quarterback, but I'm actually okay with this whole two-quarterback setup with Jake Strong and Brady Boyd if, that's the, if, that, if it comes down to that. I'm, um, and we do have a walk-on quarterback also on roster. That, that Also, we do still have quarterbacks available. But I like the idea of, you know, and, and, and of let's try Brady Boyd and see what happens, right? Let's, let's, let's pull it Avery Johnson. Let's, let's go at this point. What the hell could it hurt? What I'm scared of is you have Jake Strong or you have Brady Boyd out there and they're like, you know what? Throw the 50 yard pass. <laughs> just, just four verts. Yeah. That's what scares me. Uh, you know what doesn't scare me, Jeremy? Texas Tech soccer. Yes. That does not is. scare me. The, listen. What a what a breath of fresh Thank air! God. Thank God for them. So if y'all if you've been under a rock and you just um, if you hate women, just tell me. But uh, Texas Tech soccer team has been great, right? Because uh, and not just great. They've been, they've been, this is arguments. People can say this is the best Texas Tech soccer team of all time. Hmm. This has been a meteoric season for this. Unexpected. Team. Last time we had a team this good. We expected it. The Janine Becky team, they were great. They're probably the only other time I can think of where I was like, ooh, Texas Tech could win a national championship. Um, and, but that was that was coming into the season. It was like, this team could be good. This team was one of the favorites for the Big 12 coming into the season. This year, we were middle of the road. You said what, we were preseason pick fifth? Fifth or sixth? Coming into the season? like, And this was not necessarily a rebuilding year, but uh, we have a lot of young players, especially up, up front. Forwards, midfielders. We have, we have a lot of young players. Good recruiting class. It'll take us at least a year before we really start making noise, right? That was the idea. That was the thought. Guess what? We don't need that time. Real good team right now. Unde- finishing up the first ever undefeated season at home at, at Fort Walker, as it's now being called, um, at the uh, the Walker Soccer Complex. But a very, very good uh, home stand for this team. And this team also hasn't lost yet. So when I say undefeated, I mean they haven't – at, at home, they went 10-0-0. Didn't lose, didn't tie all season long. On the road, they still haven't lost. Generally, they haven't lost at all. Like, they tied a few games, haven't lost whatsoever. Sixth in the country right now. Just incredible. Expected to expected to move up um, maybe one more notch before we get to the end of the season. You, you had – I mean – you had this stint where I think it all kind of came together where it was, is this team who we hope that they are turning out to be? They go to Provo. They play number seven BYU top 10 matchup coming out of that with a draw. Probably the biggest draw that this team has ever had in the history of this, this program uh, because BYU is a team that beat up on last year's national championship Cal team, nearly an identical team. So no slouch of a program. Then you come home and you played number three, 20, 23 TCU, a TCU program who is looking to knock you out, a TCU program that this team has had problems with in the past. You win 1-0. You win the 1-0. Then you bring you <clears throat> go out to Florida, UCF. You tie that 1-1-1. Um, and then okay, you had a lot of chances in that to win. It's okay. Sometimes it just doesn't fall in. Then you come uh, back home for your final home bout against Oklahoma State. You win that 1-0. Um and now you just have an Iowa State team that's not bad, but they're not great. Uh, but you'll have to go up to Ames, Iowa, and at least you know make sure you get a tie. Hopefully get a win. Um, but you're looking at an incredible season by this program. Tom Stone, I mean, the recruiting he's done in the past two years to bring on people um, <clears throat> bring on people like Ashley Williams, who has become a dominant force up front. 
bring on people like uh, Macy Blackburn, who although has an ACL injury, um, was an electric defender moving up front to really kind of help out in some key um uh, key, what the heck are they called? You set up for them and you do Corps? them. I'm free kicks. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, what's that called? Pos- position, whatever. Oh, set It'll pieces. Hit me later when it key set matter. pieces. Set pieces. Key set piece player. Um, Mahler Shazinski. Awesome. Peyton Parsons from Colorado, kind of a nobody from a place called Valor Christian, has been incredible in the midfield. Excellent, excellent recruiting turned. Excellent, excellent play. Your team is looking at uh, not only a Big 12 championship, but they're looking at a really tough – they're going to be a tough out for anybody in the tournament. And so eyes on the prize at this point. you got to excuse Jeremy. He's not really much of a soccer guy. Um, Doesn't – I'm just now getting into it. (laughs) I watched Ted Lasso. (laughs) Uh, if you actually, if you know Jeremy, you know that's actually a hilarious joke. He's actually very much of a very big soccer guy, and uh, so it's funny they didn't know set pieces. But I will say, so this team, this program is always a bridesmaid, never a bride, right? And what I mean by that is we finished second in the conference three times, including last year. Last year was the third time we had. We finished third in the conference a few times, fourth, never won the Big Twelve. We, we, the soccer program's been around as long as the Big Twelve's been around, never won it. We have the opportunity when we play Iowa State to win our first ever Big 12 championship. It would be absolutely huge, huge for this program. It would also be the first time we're back in the NCAA tournament since 2019 uh, when we had Kirsten Davis here. Um, would just add, this team is this team has been absolutely incredible, uh, to say the least, right? And and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited. You know it's you know it's really good and and big when um, some of the football media. For Texas Tech starts talking about soccer. Um, yeah, know, we, we tweet about really soccer. changing their tune lately. Kinsey, but, um, uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 good. It, it, bringing that attention to a team that deserves the attention, absolutely deserves the attention. The soccer program. Um, other sports should catch up. <laughs> I'm just just gonna throw that out there. Other sports should catch up. That's right. Maybe we should hire Tom Stone as the offensive coordinator. Go for it, man. Go for it. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say to the people? Uh, just final note on the soccer team. All of this season was made possible by the one and only Madison White in the goal. Madison White has had some sensational saves this season. The kind of stuff that's going to get her noticed um, and put her on a professional roster and get her looks at a national level. Um Excellent goalkeeper has been paramount for us this whole season. Just didn't want to miss. Didn't want to miss the the most roses where they should be going is is Madison White. But that's right. If we suffer another loss against BYU, we might go fully into being a soccer podcast. We'll finally we'll make, make the transition. transition. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll see. Uh, we do have this BYU preview coming up later this week. Uh, I don't actually know if we'll have anybody on for BYU. We'll see um, to talk about that abysmal game. I don't know if I want to hear their pleasant. Uh, their pleasantries. Well, it'll be interesting. I don't insulting. know if BYU stinks or not. <laughs> I really don't know. I, you know, the the freshman four, three of the freshman four have shown to be pretty bad. Houston's pretty bad. I don't care about that hail mary they did to beat West Virginia. They still stink. Um, Cincinnati's been really bad, and UCF surprisingly has been really bad. And then Baylor's been bad. Uh, is BYU bad? BYU just got absolutely smacked this weekend, uh, but it was the first time they've been smacked all season. 
right? They're they're four and two on the year, but they also haven't played anybody, right? So if we look at their schedule, their two losses come a somewhat close loss at Kansas, which Kansas is really good this year, so I'm not gonna put anything to them. But then getting walloped uh, at TCU, and they just barely beat Cincinnati at home. So I I, I kind of look at them and say, well, are they any good? Then you look at us and say, well, are we any good, right? <laughs> so so uh, next week will be an interesting one. And also, it's a, it's a true road game. So the only road game we've really been able to win is at Iowa State last year when, in the ugliest game ever. And then this year at Baylor, a Baylor team that we've already mentioned stinks. And also, nobody cared about that game whatsoever. So what happens? At a pa- it should be a packed house against BYU. Um, and what happens in that game, you know, in the evening, 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have that preview later this week. Uh, for so for the down tra- the downtrodden champ that is Jeremy Gillen. This is uh, your melancholy boy. I'll be sure. And you've been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the Ten Twelve Network. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.